Hello and welcome to the Ravens, a Stranger Things podcast. I'm Simon. And I'm Dom. And tonight's mystery to unravel is season one, episode two, The Weirdo on Maple Street. So welcome to the Ravens Stranger Things podcast where it's always 10.30 at night so it's time to grab the snacks from the sweet cupboard, move on upstairs and settle in as tonight's mystery to solve is season one, episode two, The Weirdo on Maple Street. Dom, we are here. How are you my good friend? I'm very good thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited to be back the the mind pond as you've coined it <laughs> yeah I, we didn't we we thought about it on the last episode didn't we and we've had quite a gap between recording the last episode to this episode and yeah the mind pond just it came out it just happened as a as a solution to our problem of what do we call the ankle deep water moments and black room that 11 goes into so yeah yeah i like it the mind pond and i like to think of us as within the mind pond connecting telekinetically though technically via zoom but the zoom the zoom didn't exist in 1983 sadly not but the residents of hawkins did <laughs> and to start with we're going to try it a little bit differently this week you're going to bless us with a synopsis of the episode from imdb and then we'll have a a free flow conversation about it absolutely so forgive the length of this synopsis it's quite long but i'm gonna go for it are you ready i can't wait it even gives the date and the day even says monday november the 7th 1983 i love it to start off with and then gives you another day as well but here we go i'm gonna start so after finding 11 in the woods the boys bring her back to mike's house for the night lucas thinks this is a terrible idea and suggests they all tell mike's mum karen wheeler right away but mike points out that would just get them all grounded since they were not supposed to go out looking for will Byers, mike gives her clean clothes to change into 11 i assume uh, he mm-hmm. also nicknames her l and gives her a pillow uh, a pillow fort to sleep in. Mm-hmm. So that's the first day. And then we head into Tuesday, November the 8th, 1983. Oh, I like this. I like this chronological and, you know, archived. It's very Star Trek. <laughs> this is much longer. <laughs> so the next day, Mike brings her breakfast. He tries to get Eleven to sneak out of the house and to the front door to make it look like she stumbled upon the house and that way his mum can help. Eleven rejects this idea, telling Mike that bad people are looking for her and that revealing her whereabouts will only make things worse. Meanwhile, Joyce talks to Chief Hopper about the creepy static phone call she received. Hopper's reluctant to believe her story, but admits the charring on the phone from the surge of electricity is weird. Later, Joyce heads to her workplace to buy a new phone and demands two weeks' pay in advance from her boss. He shows some sympathy for Joyce after he realises her kid is missing and gives in. Back at Mike's house, Mike acquaints Eleven to his house. Instead of going to school, Eleven notices a picture of the four boys and points at Will. She knows him, but before Mike can ask any more questions, his mum comes home. Mike was supposed to be at school. Mike hides Eleven in his bedroom closet, which scares her. Mike promises that he won't tell his mother about her, and Eleven trusts him enough to close the door. However... Mike explains the situation regarding Elle to Dustin and Lucas and and her knowing about Will's disappearance and urges them to help her. Lucas, unconvinced, tries to tell Mike's mum about Eleven, but Eleven stops him. Using her telekinetic abilities to close Mike's bedroom door, Lucas and Dustin begin to trust her too. There's still more. <laughs> no, night, this is great. <laughs> at night, Mike brings... Mike, bringing Lucas and Dustin to the basement, brings food for Eleven and asks her if she knows where their friend Will is. Eleven doesn't know the word friend, um, doesn't know what the word friend means, sorry. So Mike explains it to her. Eleven then uses the Dungeons and Dragons set to show them Will is hiding from a monster. The Mm. cops find a drain pipe in the woods leading to Hawkins National Laboratory. Um, They believe Will might have crawled through it. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Joyce receives another creepy, static call, surging with electricity and shocking her again. The lights in her house begin to turn, turn one by one, leading to Will's bedroom. Suddenly, one wall begins to move and takes on some weird shapes. Joyce quickly runs out of the house and into her car, but later turns and goes back to the house. At Steve's party, Nancy's friend Barb feels like a third wheel. Barb sits near the pool by herself. Jonathan hides in the woods near the pool and takes her picture before leaving. Jonathan fails to notice a mysterious monster. Monster as it abducts Barb. Mm-hmm. That's the end of the synopsis, my friend. Oh, that's not too long. That was like the perfect amount. Okay. <laughs> Fair. That was good. And, Feels and long it when you're reading t- it. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't touch on like all of the intricacies as well. There's a lot in there that now we can, you know, add color to the page. So excellent. Great synopsis. Well read. It is difficult and a bit nerve wracking reading on the podcast isn't it <laughs> it's fine when it's just you and me but uh, i know like you've had experience of reading to mm-hmm. the room of our ravens that that listen mm-hmm. and and there's been some judgment there there's been some judgment but no judgment here they are judgy people i've noticed most of them are <laughs> i'm joking we love you all but reading out loud and uh, to an audience can be can be a little bit nerve-wracking but you did a fantastic job my friend well i i have so many questions like because we're so we're completely up to date both of us with stranger things at this point of recording to the end of season four so both volume one and volume two and we're allowing the spoilers to to happen here so if you are not up to date please stop go and watch and and come back this is a a rewatch podcast Mm -hmm. let's let's call it that i have questions of things that i can't remember do we find out that 11 11 went through that tunnel in the woods like do we see that in flashback like i can't remember like i'm assuming it must be because they found like what i assume to be like a tag from her wrist or something um, I think they find, like, they find, but he looks at CCTV, doesn't he? I know Hopper's standing outside and goes, there's cameras. We need to go and see those cameras and what happens. And he gets in to go and see CCTV. But they've changed, um, like, the footage. So the, the footage of Eleven getting out or something getting out through the tunnel has been wiped. So they assume right. that, that Will has got in that way. And they think they've wiped the footage of Will getting in. And it's the rain that gives it away because he's been absolutely like hammering That's it right. down. And he's like, did you, did you guys see any rain on that footage? And the, the, the two other cops are a bit dopey. Uh, one in particular, they're like, no, no. And I was like, well, okay. So it's, it's the wrong footage. Um, I can't remember specifically if we see Eleven emerging from the tunnel, but she must've got out. We must. Way we might yeah and that's already episodes ahead so i apologize but we we must see it in flashback how she got out because obviously we know that she awoke let's say the what i'm liking what i like to refer to as the demo gordon <laughs> um and i say this because i have we have a painter decorator guy called gordon that does some handiwork on our house and he can be a bit grizzly sometimes <laughs> like he's a nice guy but you know sometimes he can grizzle so a demo gordon demo gordon <laughs> nice <laughs> but she, she like she touched gordon in the mine pond and then that was what created the initial uh gate to be formed in the lab right and obviously that's letting gordon out but uh she i'm I'm assuming obviously she went out at the same time so i just i just need to piece together that point of where we see her how she ended up to be in the woods it must be in flashback in the coming episodes i just can't remember yeah unless she exited through that through one of the gates like through one of the trees you know randomly so she was in the upside down Mm. and then gets out through that way and then ends up just in like normal hawkins sort of forest and is wandering around and that's when she bumps into the boys because it's almost like she's crossed over from like will's gone in and she's come out yeah yeah one Um, in one out yeah so it's yeah it's confusing it's funny like i i I guess 
one of the difficult things is that because we we rewatch so many programs to to talk about them uh, and we've had a really big gap between episode one and this episode it's like i, I did rewatch it for this but i rewatched it ages ago and they'll sort of like flick through a minute ago but obviously missed a bit about you know where she appeared from so but she does just kind of appear she just just kind of rocks up doesn't she in episode one and then they're like okay come to the house um yeah that's where well we we definitely haven't seen that flashback at this point i literally just watched the second episode like minutes before Mm. coming on but uh so i I think we just need to keep a mental note so we can just tick it off when we see it. And we're going through it one by one. So it's different from how we've gone through it previously. But who who do you want to talk about? Because we've got some different sections. We've got, you know, what's going on with Steve and Nancy and, and Barb, bless her. And uh, I forget what their friends are called. It's like Tim. Tim and... No, I'm thinking of One Tree Hill. It's... it's they're they're two like shitty friends aren't they yeah the douchebag friends (laughs) should we we start with them that's kind of like a a separate part i mean you remind me dom in this episode of the shitty friends of a mixed no of a mixed you're a mix you're a a mixture in my mind of barb hopper and lucas All three of Wait. them. They're, they're, all three of them are very cynical. <laughs> and angry at times. <laughs> Especially Lucas, who's the one that reminds me of you the most. <laughs> She's a weirdo. She's yeah. a freak. <laughs> weirdo, <laughs> would be, that would be my way of <laughs> explaining her. <laughs> but, but we'll get to that. But let's let's talk about Nancy and Steve. So let's just call it how it is. Steve is a horny young man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's um he's it's funny enough though, he's not like your typical sort of jock that's displayed in these kind of programs, I find. I find that he's actually got like even from these early episodes there's kind of like a sensibility about him. He's he's quite mm. he's quite a sensitive person um and also wants to be kind. In a I know there's there's moments of him being a dickhead in this episode, um, particularly when they sort of like fall out and and all of that. But actually, uh, and unlike throughout the series, like when he's a bit jockey and a bit of a dickhead. But actually, I I I, I kind of buy into it. I, you, he's not a character you dislike, you know, straight away. He's a character that actually you you really sort of I f- I feel like you gravitate towards. For sure. I mean, he's. I mean, he's one. He's one of, if not the best character in the show. I mean, I know that as as he progresses, but his turnaround, like his character arc, to you know getting to where he is, you know, in season four to season one, it's not as dramatic as I remember. Like you think that they set him up as a much bigger dick at the beginning to then have that redemption. But not really. Like he he has a couple dick moves, but it's uh, understandable in the way that you can see he's trying to impress this this other group of friends. Mm. You know, he's kind of uh, buying into that to be part of like the popular group and sort of peer pressuring, and he's doing things that aren't particularly out that are going out of his element. And like you said, you can see some of his sensibilities and being a a nice guy he's got like a good soul but is being is misguided at the moment yeah Uh, i mean he's he's sort of the he kind of worries about like his dad finding out that they're they're at home drinking don't don't tell him we've been at home drinking he's that he's that kind of he's going to worry about that but he's not really going to care about much else too much but but you know he's he's actually quite kind to Nancy he's not nasty to her and he's not it doesn't feel like he's taking advantage I think we're Mm. we're always kind of led down this path that he's just taking advantage of her because he you know fancies her a bit and thinks yeah okay I'm I'm Steve I can do what I like in this school I'm the king of this school kind of thing um and I can have my pick of the girls and I'm going to pick this one this week Uh, I think you're given that impression but actually when you when you get down to it and 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 start to get to know him a little bit better 
that you realise he's actually not like that at all. I think he actually genuinely does like Nancy and, and does have, mm-hmm. want want a relationship and want something, um, you know, more from it. He, he's not kind of expecting um, it to be a, a one and done kind of evening or like event with her. Um, it is a shame about Barb, obviously, because she just gets left to one side. But I, I guess this is a, that's more of na- like Nancy's kind of doing Nancy invites her along and takes her and it it becomes very much fifth wheel isn't it she's that's exactly what she is if there was a sixth sixth person no matter who it was you know i think that would have been a bit more like at least she's got someone to talk to in another Mm. room for a bit you know um but unfortunately she's the fifth wheel and gets left to her own devices and unfortunately her demise for sure, for sure. And and just to tag onto the back of what you were saying about Steve, I completely agree. And you there's that you never get the feeling that if she's if Nancy said no that he wouldn't respect that. Like it always seems like exactly what you said, that he he definitely wants to sleep with her. I think that is evidence. Mm. Uh, but it's not for the motive of to of showing off or to do it and then that be it and abandon abandon her you can tell that he is almost a bit of like a hopeless romantic in like the first episodes climbing through a window and things like he's eager he's a teenage boy but in a in a nice way and then yeah barb oh barb poor barb we've all been in that position at a time where you know, you felt like you've just been taken along to, you know, to accompany somebody else on on their journey. Like I remember at times with like friends, um, you know, when I when I was a teenager, and it's like, okay, you only you just literally just want me to be in here for a minute until you have you know and now i'm just here on my own okay and now it's time for me to leave (laughs) yeah which is exactly the situation that's happened to barb barb was the lift barb was driving wasn't she she was the ride she was the she was the uber exactly the night yeah in her i think it's a a classic vw polo which is a beautiful little car there you go (laughs) german engineering absolutely yeah so the car just stayed there all, all night absolutely untouched by demogorgon Gordon. <laughs> Gordon. Our friend Gord. Gordy. Gordy. Our friend Gordy. <laughs> well, and then we've got on the other side of this, we've got our boy Jonathan, who's taking pictures in the woods, trying to collate clues, evidence, a trail. He stumbles across. Here's, here's a scream, goes to see what's happening and stumbles across the this party and decides to hang around and take a couple snapshots Mm. what do we think on this like how what kind of creepiness are we applying to this or is just interested in photography or what i i i tried to you try and think about it in different ways because you don't want him to be creepy you don't want him to be a creepy weirdo because actually for the most part he's actually been really kind to his uh, brother nice to his mum in the disappearance of his brother really putting his effort and all into putting posters out to try and find him and and you know to have people contact so you don't want to sort of see him as this sort of strange person who's just taking pictures of girls you know that are in states of undress shall we say um mm-hmm. from a distance but um, from the woods from the woods yeah exactly um I mean, from a like photography interest point of view, I think he's, t- he's taking the picture of um, Barb, hasn't he? You know, sort of hanging on the edge of the the side of the pool, and um, there's just I, I think it's innocent in that he he realizes it's Nancy. He's obviously like Nancy forever, you know, since they they were probably you know the boys' ages, um, and has never really explored it or they're kind of you know they were friends but they've drifted apart as as she's now you know becoming more and more popular and leading to more towards guys like steve 
and he's very much been this kind of treated as a weirdo i think she's the only one that won't treat him like a weirdo because they maybe they have a bit of a history but he is a bit unusual he's a bit strange very um insular kind of person and, and just gets left to it doesn't it nobody talks to him all the people at the school look at him funny it's made even worse when his brother disappears everybody you know probably thinking him and his mum did it oh um, boy yeah it's just a bit strange so the photos are unusual and it's a bit of a weird scenario it's more weird when he develops them. If you're just taking them and not develop them, <laughs> fine. But it's just more weird that he starts developing them. Um, there's no other way to view him, though, is there? Like, if he in oh, yeah, exactly. cameras, there's no screen on the back. Well, how, how old are we thinking? He's in high school. So what, he's must 17, 16, 17, I maybe? He's whatever age uh, Nancy is, right? Same, the same... I assume they're the same year. Yeah, so I think... 16? Are they? They're still in high school in season two, aren't they? So yeah, so I, yeah, so I'm gonna guess they're like they're maybe sixteen going on seventeen because yeah. I think Americans leave high school at eighteen. So, but but my my point is is okay. Let's say let's say he's seventeen. I can speak for myself, but I'm gonna ask. You, I, I I'll put you in. <laughs> I'll speak for you. <laughs> I'm sure at some point we all did something a little bit weird or creepy when we were 17. Like, I'm sure we all did. Not with bad intention, but hormones, you know. I'm sure that if you isolated some incidences from, you know, pubescent times, there could be some questionable things or thoughts. Not illegal, not super creepy but like he wasn't like over the line you know his hands were on the camera and and nancy wasn't like fully naked in in the pictures but she is topless at least like i mean shirtless it's not a good look it's not it's not a good look it's not it's not good (laughs) but let's put it down to teenage antics and half know that he I was going to say semi investigating but was a half investigating the mis- mysterious disappearance of his brother yes <laughs> good <laughs> well, let's put a bookmark on that sidestep jonathan as much as possible <laughs> <laughs> I really want to just give him a bath as well. Oh, like, yeah, he yeah. just looks like he could really do with some shampoo and a haircut for one. And just a clean set of clothes. Do you ever I see... Eat. Have you have you seen pictures of Charlie Heaton, who plays Jonathan, outside of, like, in, in real life? He, mm-hmm. the, the, the kid needs to sit in the sun for a bit. It's terrifying. You can see through him. He's actually just, yeah. like... It's just like translucent, is it? Translucent? Transparent. Yeah, just transparent. transparent. Yeah. I, I heard someone reference that he looks quite a bit like the kid from Terminator 2, and now mm. I can't get that out of my head. Uh, uh, yeah, I see. Uh, yeah, he's just... Is it Edward Furlong? I can't remember. Furlong. I think yeah. I think it is. It's Edward Ed, <laughs> It's Ed John Furlong. Connor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and now I can't get that out of my head. Mm. Uh, but they really do look similar. <laughs> But, okay, so should we talk about the main boys? So my question for you on the main boys is uh, mm-hmm. the dynamic and the dynamic change when we take one boy out and put L in and obviously everything mm-hmm. that's going on. How do you feel about this kind of change literally from one episode to the next? We see how good friends they are and then things start to go like funny with Will and then he's gone. Um, uh, and then we get into this episode uh, and the, the the dynamic and the the kind of I guess power struggle between them as well in their in their in their little group. So what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, it's really interesting because we get to see how each of them react to Will missing and to Eleven being part of the group now, and they all react in very different ways. Where you have Lucas is a bit more angry with it or a little bit more um blunt i guess you could say and mike is a bit more sensitive to 11 and 
trying a bit more of the organizer he's kind of orchestrating the the stories that they're telling to their parents and the plan of action and then dustin is kind of in the middle he he kind of finds he's almost a bit more of the immature one at this stage where he's just finding it amusing that she was just gonna get undressed in front of them you know or finding you know yeah, kind of having a bit more of a, a childlike wonderment to it. Like when he's holding the Millennium Falcon and he's like, make it float, and he just drops it. And he's like, oh, well, you know, yeah. and it's just, yeah, he's doing all these silly things to try and get her to use her powers because it's like she is a Jedi, whereas mm-hmm. the other two are like, she's got fucking powers and we're going to be in so much trouble. And like she said, bad people are after her and what the hell are we going to do? And where's Will? And, you know, Dustin, yeah, mm-hmm. I get that. Dustin's kind of kind of on his own little plane isn't he (laughs) yeah he's kind of in wonderment of all of it Mm. which which is great because they're all playing out you know different different ways of reacting and we know that they all change and develop as we go through the seasons which is great because as as we all grow and develop as we're growing up do you see them as like having specific roles within the group like you naturally lean towards Mike being the leader because he's the, it's, it's at his house. He's the mm-hmm. central, like kind of focal point for all of them. They all convene at Mike's, they all, mm-hmm. you know, go through their plans and they do this and they do that. And it's Mike that kind of brings a bit of sense to Dustin every now and then and kind of tells Lucas to just chill out while they're, they're figuring stuff out. And no, we can't do that because this is And Mike's kind of the one that's pulling all the strings. Do you feel that mm-hmm. as well? Definitely. Yeah, he's definitely the, the leader. And Will was kind of the not like lowest of the pecking order, but he was like the little brother of the group. He was like the one that they all sort of looked after. And Lucas and Dustin were a kind of, a kind of in the middle or kind of both second in command, I guess. And we get some of those riffs as we go through the season. It's an interesting way that you frame it because I see it slightly differently. I see it as Mike is the like in charge lucas and Mm -hmm. dustin are kind of there in the middle and it's mike that looks after will Mm, uh, uh, who's at the bottom of of the the ladder sort of thing you know in terms of their weird little hierarchy yeah and so i don't know if you've seen this but it's i mean it's heavily heavily um suggested or implied especially in in season four but Noah Schnapp, the actor that plays Will, has confirmed publicly that Will is gay and is in love with Mike, which I think, I don't think, I mean, he must have had permission from the producers and or been asked to say that maybe even from the producers or by the Duffer brothers or whatever. I don't think they should have done that, even if it's obvious. I think just let it play out on screen. It, it, it is obvious. It, it's almost like he's... A, you can see when... I mean, we'll get there eventually, but you can see he's almost je- yeah. jealous of Eleven. Oh, the yeah. The whole time. So it's... Yeah, yeah. That's just... It's weird that they've had to say it, but... Sorry, please continue. No, no, no. Yeah, and... But as early as season two, there are hints at it. And um, it'll be interesting just rewatching it from the beginning to see, because I don't know if they had that in mind the entire time well, uh, to have that as a sort of, you know, character point. Yeah, I mean, there's a great moment where Mike says, well, you don't even like girls or something like that, doesn't yeah. he? And, and like pushes him or that, it, that's kind that's of what in season two, drives yeah. him to sort of disappear and, and run away. So, yeah, there's, I, I, I don't think it needed referencing because it is quite plain to see but fair play you know i think some people want these answers don't they yeah (laughs) i don't don't tell me about that tell me what the fucking upside down is (laughs) i mean we find out that don't we like literally like this is where she flips the board this is our first Mm -hmm. you know um all these terms and phrases and all, all the 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 elements that they take from the game 
uh, and Eleven's experiences and, and what she's kind of sharing with them is, I think it's really, really clever. It's so good. Yeah. It's so well written. It's so well put together. The fact that she flips that board and is like, it's like this world, but like here. And they're like, oh, the upside down. Okay, that makes sense. And and they, they as a collective, as, as even though they're this little three, because we don't really ever see Will with them like like we said in our last episode will and will and 11 don't meet <laughs> yeah until the end of season two is it's it? quite late yeah it's quite late in season two they don't they don't come yeah, across because she's because she's off on her own in season two isn't she yeah she's in her hut mm-hmm. um so yeah it's just i just find it it's so clever. It's so well put together. It's so good. And all the phrases that, that people are learning and from Dungeons and Dragons and stuff is quite amazing. I, I mean, I know people that, that play it. I've never played it and probably never will, but I, I can't help but think Stranger Things has made Dungeons and Dragons bigger now. De- and definitely. More, much more relevant. Um, definitely. Yeah. I, I meant to tell you this. So you know how i get invested in shows especially ones that i love and uh champion the clothing brand you know champion Mm -hmm. they brought out they do collaborations um with different shows and different things and do like special hoodies and shorts and things and they did a stranger things collaboration and i went a little bit overboard oh no as in I, i bought so much like i bought three pairs of shorts i bought uh how many i think two i think two hoodies a jacket um two other hoodies as well that from a different brand and um i forgot to mention this previously as well they did a collaboration with nike in season three and i I bought the trainers and they were so cool because they came in a in a box which had like the Hawkins Press uh, newspaper that the trainers were wrapped in. And I've got a pair of Nike blazers and I haven't done this yet. They're a few years old, but I figure maybe we could do it as like a Patreon thing. I'll record it and put it on Patreon. But they're like canvas. They're like cream colored. And if you set them on fire... Yes, set them on fire. The trainers, the top level layer, all burns away, and it go it goes black and red like the upside down, and has secret messages underneath it. That's amazing. <laughs> so at some point, when you're next here, let's set fire to my shoes. Um, yeah, I'm up for that. All of them, <laughs> just one by one. Yeah. <laughs> it's the wrong pair. <laughs> Simon's got to go everywhere in barefoot now. <laughs> Just socks on. <laughs> Why did I put them on my feet before we burnt them? <laughs> oh. But yeah, I, got, I, I went completely overboard. And some of the stuff, like the, some of the shorts, I'm like, I don't even know if I can wear these. Like as in some of the, the hoodies and stuff are cool. Like it's uh, got like the Hellfire Club logo on and it's sort of things that... If you know, then you know. And I know everybody knows Stranger Things at the moment, but, you know, it's a bit less obvious. But some of these shorts, they're just shorts with the Stranger Things logo on it, and mm. it's a little bit like that just is what it is, you know, <laughs> rather than I prefer it's better. I just got a bit trigger-happy on the website. Um, But, yeah, there's so much Stranger Things merch. Sorry, that was the end of that tangent. We're not allowed tangents on this one, are we? No. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> one final tangent, though, which you you should get involved in. I'm hoping it's good. But F and I have got tickets to see uh, David Harbour and Bill Pullman are doing a show in the West End. Yeah, I've seen this. I've seen it. Well, I've seen it advertised. On Instagram? Yeah. That's where I saw it and ended up buying the tickets. Nice, yeah. You should, you should do it. You should get tickets. It looks really good. I can't remember what it's called. What's it called? Like a mad something, is it? Yeah, I can't like remember. Like a mad either. place I or just, something like that? Yeah, I just saw that he was in it and was like, I've got to go. <laughs> and apparently he comes out to the door and everything, which I'm definitely one of those people, which Ephany, my wife, absolutely hates. 
like hates she's not about that at all where i'm like get it signed sign my face i love you <laughs> i'm exactly i'm the same as ethany i would just walk off i don't i don't care i don't want to talk to these people <laughs> <laughs> i want i'm gonna i maybe i should get him to sign the stranger things shorts so then i won't wear them what you should do and, is get him I to sign use for them the shoes and then burn them so you lose that signature forever oh my god <laughs> that'd be crazy <laughs> I might wear them shoes and then ask him to sign them. Is that weird? I want to do something that's a little bit quirky, that's like, but not crazy, you know? Something memorable. Yeah. Take we'll some. Take some. Take the hoodie. Take the shorts. Get him sign that. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> well, sorry. Okay. Well, um, Lucas uh, has an attitude, and I think you do too. Do you see? <laughs> Do you see the similarities? Well, no. <laughs> I'm sure you're going to enlighten me. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, no, it's because it's coming from a place of he's concerned about his friend, about Will missing. And it's kind of like this is in the way because at the moment they're not seeing that it's connected, you mm. know, until later in the episode where they start to connect those dots. And I think he's more frustrated that we should be out there looking for Will. Like, this isn't important right now. Like, just the police, the authorities can deal with this. We need to get Will. So it's justified. But I just imagine that that's how you would have been in that situation at that age. You know, if Wills are on the scene, you and I, we're there to do what we need to do. That's, I think, how you would be tackling it. Calling people weirdos and... uh you know, having a little bit of attitude. <laughs> tell me I'm wrong. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I think fair enough. You know, we want to find our friend, don't we? So, right. Yeah. I'm just, that's, that's the priority. That's the concern. Why are we mucking about with this strange person that appeared in a forest? Mm-hmm. You know, there you go. if anything, we should have just left him there and let's just crack on. Right. See, that's what I'm saying. This is how you would move. But now older you would move more like how Hopper does. Yes, I agree. I do agree with that. But then, and also a younger version of you that was very sensible would move how Barb was in terms of being like, you know, he's just trying to get something from you. He's just trying to get in your pants. Like, you know, wake up a little bit. You know, that's also, you know, you were always good with that, grounded, wise beyond your years. So I'm saying there's, as you have developed as a person, you sort of, you go between them three characters for me at the moment. And I love all three of those characters. So these this is not meant as insults. These are compliments. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Hopper is the one that you feel most aligned with now, is what is what you're saying. Oh, almost certainly, yeah. He's a miserable man. That's definitely what I am. <laughs> Mornings are for coffee and contemplation. <laughs> Perfect. Exactly like that. Well, talk to us about Hopper and his disgruntledness he kind of warms in this episode a little bit yeah i think i just can't get over the smoking so much smoking in this program particularly from hopper and he's covered in fag ash all the time it's literally it's (laughs) in his beard it's on his face it's on his chest he's always covered in in cigarette ash some somewhere somehow um Mm -hmm. but he does you can already see the clogs, clogs, cogs turning for him working shit out and putting two and two together. The, the problem is he's putting two and two together and he's making six, but he's so mm. close to, to making like the real number. And, and he's kind of, he's just, he's just kind of doing things in the wrong way. He knows the laboratories are, are responsible for something like with some weird shit going on. He, he kind of thinks Joyce is having a bit of a like breakdown crazy time and then realizes something's not quite right. So he's kind of piecing these bits together until he then obviously like later on gets, you know, sucked in and involved and then investigating Benny's death as well. Mm -hmm. Like, um, who was the last person to see Benny? It was this, this old guy, um, that, that was in, in the diner. Um, 
Uh, and you know what was Benny's demeanor? Oh, he's fine. You know, he's kind of normal, right? Okay, because Benny's pretty cool. I've never ha- had to investigate, you know, a friend's death before. And we find out he's a big time cop. There's kind of first mention of it as well. He's a big time city cop, you, you know. And coming back to Hawkins, he he probably wasn't ever expecting to have to investigate a murder, a potential murder or a suicide. And and now he is, and and he's kind of reminded of his of his previous life and we get a a moment of sort of pause and reflection. It's like, well, yeah, I've never had to investigate a friend's death before. So mm-hmm. um, it's quite strange that there, there's, there's those moments where you think like you're really like on side with him and feel sorry with him and for him. And there's other moments in the episode we think, Oh, just stop being a pillock for two minutes and just, just listen to Joyce. Cause what Joyce is telling you is accurate. If you just hang around at the house for a bit and just wait and you'll, you'll see it, you know, stop being, in such a hurry to get in the van and drive off, you know, in your truck and, and disappear. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I've got to say about Hopper, really. Uh, I, I, I think he's my favourite character. Okay. At this point or throughout the whole show? Um, definitely throughout the majority of the show. But... Okay. But, yeah, he's a great character. But probably at this point, mostly. Nice. Yeah, well, he's great. And you can tell he's a great actor as well, David Harbour. As we said previously, the whole cast are wonderful. But let's move towards Joyce, because Joyce has that great moment, speaking of cigarettes, of asking for her advance for two weeks from from her boss and reminding him that she's worked there for 10 years. She's never called in sick. She's worked there on Christmas Eve, Thanksgiving all the rest of it, all she's asking for is an advance. It's not even an advance isn't free money. Mm-hmm. You know, she's going to earn that money anyway. And the fact she's got that track record and she needs it. She needs the phone. She spent the money on printing the flyers to, which were 10 cents a, a copy. And she's done, you know, 300 of them and all the rest of it. And then she demands a pack of camels as well, because, you know, she's going through it. And I think Winona Ryder is doing a, a great job here i've seen it's been criticized before from some people uh, from other podcasts and other mediums that it, she can polarize people in her performance a little bit where people can think she's being too erratic and a little bit too scatty um where other people on the other side think she's playing a you know breaking down mother that's lost her child which i'm definitely more in in that camp that i think she's doing a really great job of it how how do you feel about her performance yeah i agree with you i think this it's a great performance from winona Ryder, and just joyce is distraught despairing but also the only one that's believing her own story and her, mm-hmm. her story is that she saw something coming out the wall. She heard a voice on the telephone. She got electrocuted by the telephone because, you, you know, this is happening, that's happening. And the lights are going to help. And she's the perfect person for this role to play a character that is right about something, but made to look crazy. Yeah. Perfect. So the the erratic nature, um, the kind of, you mentioned people saying that she's like polarizing, etc perfect she's the right person to, to to do that because it's exactly what it needs she needs to look crazy and even to start to look crazy to jonathan and jonathan doubt her yeah and that's uh that's a great dynamic that they have between them and we get those great flashbacks of jonathan introducing will to the clash it's the clash right it is yeah and Jonathan goes to see their dad. Now, the dad originally was going to have Steve's redemption arc. So the dad was going to come back with the bait and get pick up the baseball bat and sort of save the day at the end of season one. Okay. But the Duffer brothers were enjoying and Steve was going to get killed and just be done in season one. He wasn't going to be a mainstay character like his name. I don't think is even in the main credits. And uh, but they loved him so much and what he was doing with the character that they gave the redemption arc to him and then build him into, you know, being a main character. No, you'd be gutted if you're the dad. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) To the opportunity to be in this major TV show. And it got won by 
a teenager. <laughs> what what can well, you do though? I guess that's the nature of it. What what can you do with the bit of spotlight that you're given? Well, yeah, that's that's the business, I guess, as well. That's that's what they do, isn't it? We get that, those great moments as well with Eleven. We kind of spoke about it on the last episode. I think we got some of it a bit jumbled up, but where she's, you know, on the lazy boy and, uh, you know, getting some of that great 80s nostalgia in, uh, which is great. We get some flashbacks with um, Papa <laughs> and, you know, they're like showing up and and seeing the upside down goo that's hanging like you know where will was taken and these things that make a lot more sense in retrospect but yeah a a really another great amazing solid episode i know that the episodes as the show goes on the episodes get longer and particularly in season four it's like nine movies Mm. rather than even episodes and the duffer brothers have said in interviews that i've listened to that that's how they consider it. They don't. They don't consider it a TV show. They consider it long form, like movies, basically, or like uh, just a move. Each each season is one big movie broken up into chapters. So when they get into season two, they weren't seeing it as season two of a TV show. They were seeing it as a sequel, mm-hmm. and you know, and trying to see them as you know four movies for each season which I think is great. But let's talk about that and go through some of our judgments. So, Dom, who would your favourite performer be of this episode? I, I'm gonna, I, it's really difficult to see beyond Winona Ryder. So I am going to give it to Winona Ryder again, just for that frantic, manic kind of belief that her son is still alive. She knows in her heart you know uh, that you know Joyce knows in her heart that he's alive and she's heard him on the phone and Winona Ryder brings that to life so well so I've got to go with Winona Ryder what about you my man I think that's a great choice to be different I'm going to go with Millie Bobby Brown for just for the scene where she's being um sort of dragged down the hallway Mm. and put into the like solitary confinement area, which is being brought back to her because she's reminded when she's in the closet and her acting in that was phenomenal. I said something to you the other week where I said, um, we weren't podcasting. I think we might've been at football or something like that. And I said, I've got quite something quite controversial to say. And you told me to wait for the podcast. Oh yeah. Yep. Dare I say that Millie Bobby Brown's acting and performance has got worse Ooh. as we've got as she's got older as we've got into later seasons like as she's had more dialogue you mean the, the dialogue and yeah just season four mbb i wasn't impressed and this M- oh millie Bobby millie Bobby Brown. Brown. <laughs> right and and finn uh finn what's his name finn wolf wolf yeah same Oh, sometimes this happens with child actors where they can they're a bit more natural as children yeah. because they're being more exaggerated versions of themselves and as they get older it can become a little bit more stilted. Interesting. I I I didn't pick that up necessarily. Mm. I actually thought oh, controversial opinions as well. I actually thought Will wasn't very good with the acting in season four. Yeah, Noah in season four is also not great. Yeah. Those three in particular. I think the rest of the youngsters, uh, so Lucas, Dustin, Max, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They're all really good. But those three in particular, not great. And they're they're like the top bills as well, aren't they? Lucas is really good. Lucas and Max and Dustin, yeah, them three are all really good. Mm. And uh, and uh, is it Mayor Hawk? I think it's Mayor Hawk, isn't it? Mayor Hawk and Joe Keery that play Robin and uh, Steve, they're really good. Well, lots to talk about, <laughs> lots to come. We will analyse that one bit at a time. Uh, Favourite character of the episode? Um, I- I'm going to say Mike. Mike is the, the organiser the 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 fixer of the group and he is as determined as he is to find 
Will, he needs to figure out what the hell's going on with Eleven. So it's Mike for me. And you? Yeah, good call. Uh, I'm going to go with Mike as well. Same reasons. And uh, yeah, these are very much like the E.T. kind of moments, you know, where Elliot's kind of hiding E.T. in his house. There's some of them similarities there. I mean, E.T. is referenced throughout season one, isn't it? So yeah. I think intentionally. Yeah. Favourite line? I haven't got one. <laughs> it's the truth. <laughs> Have you got a favourite line? I will go with... Unfortunately, having not watched it back recently, <laughs> it's difficult <laughs> to pick out a favourite line. Uh, I'll go with and a pack of camels, you know, where she like demands the the cigarettes. I, I will do exactly the same. <laughs> sorry, nice. sorry everybody for my poor poor form there. You'll know this one. I even know what you're going to pick for this one. Favorite song? Should I say? Should I go by the Clash? Of course. <laughs> yeah. And you? Yeah, so. I really I really like that song as well. So that's obvious. And then. Last but not least is the precious. Say it, Dom. Precious rating. Did you have a number in mind before we start this conversation? Yeah. Increase, decrease, or stay the same? Stay the same. And same. Say it on three. Yeah, let's go for it. One, two, three, nine. nine. Easy, Ooh. easy money. I'm that. pretty sure we're gonna, we're just gonna, yeah. Okay, nines, <laughs> nines, tens, and then maybe an eight. <laughs> an eight for the episode in season two, where where eleven goes off on her own, yeah. and the rest will be nines or tens. Yeah. What? <laughs> Good. Well, if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, then please check us out ravenshoops.net. Why, Dom? Because Demogorgons go through hoops. But they can also go through nets or gates. <laughs> Ravenshoops.net forward slash gate. It doesn't exist. <laughs> Ravenshoops.net. We appreciate you guys. We put extra content out there on our Patreon. So if you're interested, check us out on there. We appreciate everyone listening. We're going to count back. From free to our upside down. Yep. And are we saying ravens still? Yes. Okay. Do you want to pick two? Would you like to count? No. Okay, I'll count. <laughs> In the style of Hopper. Please. Okay, ready? Yeah. Three. Two. One. Ravens. Ravens. <laughs>